Welcome back to Locked Women's Basketball. You're listening to episode nine of our WNBA retrospect series, a historical look back at the greatest prospects in league history. Today, we'll discuss Elena Beard, one of the best perimeter defenders in WNBA history at a Duke. Locked Women's Basketball starts now. Welcome to the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. We're locked women's basketball. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm your host, Andrew Cruz, and I'm your Saturday host covering the WBA draft and prospect scouting. I'm joined by co-host M. Adler and Lincoln Schaefer. M covers WBA with a focus on player development and trends within the game. Lincoln is, is our biomechanics guru. You can follow him on Twitter at Dovianya underscore. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. As I said, our conversation subject today is Duke's Elena Beard. So let's take you back to 2004. At Duke, Beard became the first NCAA basketball player to amass over 2,000 career points, 500 assists, and 400 steals in a collegiate career. She also led Duke to multiple Final Four appearances. Um, for you, M, I know whenever we were creating this outline for this series, you vouched for Elena Beard as one of the prospects we cover. So after diving into her film more, um, What's been the main thing to pop for you? And did she live up to your initial expectations? So, I mean, yeah, there's there's a reason why I insisted that Elena Beard be on this list. I mean, first of all, it's kind of hard for us, even if we weren't going to do a full episode on her, it's kind of hard for us to go through this series and not include a player who is who was the first woman to have her jersey hang from Cameron Indoor, the most... Um, the most like revered site in college basketball history. She was, of course, one of the standout women's basketball players through, you know, really any time in college history. But she was one of the handful greatest women's college basketball players uh, until sort of the the UConn four Pete era, at least. And she was, by most accounts, by most consensus, the greatest guard wing perimeter defender in WNBA history. And there's really good data for that. We'll get to that later. But, you know, it really stood, what stood out to me from her tape, uh, just in terms of the aspect of being a college player, being as dominant as she was, is just how many different ways she affected the game in terms of her defense, being able to, you know, be both an elite individual defender and occasionally being being able to suss out and help her teammates in terms of, obviously, she averaged basically 20 points a game for her um, career at Duke and just had a nose to get to the lines, sought out contact, and was really clutch just coming up and scoring more the, the more competitive the game got, the later the game got. Really stood out to me. And I mean, one of the things that even might go underrated, it's hard to go underrated when you look at her stat line compared to her height, but she was an absolutely elite rebounder, one of the best you'll ever see relative to their height. What about you, Lincoln? Yeah, the first thing that 
caught my eye with uh, Elena Beard's tape in college is the closing speed, the recovery speed. She just eats up space, Absolutely. whether she's on the ball, off the ball, or uh, like wherever she is defensively, she's covering so much ground with so few strides and her arms are long enough that she's able to make these impact plays in spaces where you don't really see it coming. There's one play that's coming to mind, I think, from the Minnesota game where she is part of a hedge on a pick and roll and then within three seconds is contesting a layup. And it's <laughs> it's just incredible to watch her eat up space like that. Uh, her combination of length and strength and athleticism is really special for a guard prospect. That that Minnesota game for reference was the final one of her career, the lead eight game against Minnesota in 2004, against obviously uh, team led by Lindsay Whalen. Yeah, there are times when you watch, you know, she's not, you know, it's she wasn't tasked with being an active defensive helper, but there are times where you watch where she's, you know, in what today would be considered one pass away help. And the offensive player is trying to drive the thing that they're trying to drive next to her. And Elena Beer just like, not really on purpose, but she just kind of like spins and she's like, oh, the ball handler's right right next to me and just reaches in and steals it because the handler thinks that they're far enough away from her, but there's no way she can get, it's just insane. Um, I don't know how many people are aware of this. Obviously, you know, obviously when it comes to women's basketball players' wingspans, a couple are very well known, Stereo's BGs, but some are not. Elena Beer, six foot four wingspan, she stood 5'11". So that, that's not only a plus five, but that essentially means that in the body of a of a uh, of a, a, a two three wing, you have the wingspan of your of like a standard combo, actually a, a taller combo forward for the day. And again, you can see just how just how many ways that factors into her game. And that definitely tracks with what I saw when I watched her. Mm-hmm. Like her hands are always in the right spots defensively, mm-hmm. whether she's um, contesting a shot from a weird position. She's still got a hand in the shooter's face. She's a wildly impressive lateral mover, which yep. also helps with that uh, defensive ability. And just for me, just thinking about someone this impressive as a defensive prospect, also scoring 20 points a game in college, no matter <laughs> how they're coming, is an elite prospect. In, um, in 2003, Doris Burke says that there's a real argument for Elena Beard as the best player in college basketball over Diana Taurasi. And it would just depend on which, on which coach you asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, Diana Taurasi, we talked about last week, greatest score in the history of the game. Elena Beard, an all time college scorer while also being this level of defender. It's, it's ridiculous. Hunter, what say you? Yeah, y'all heard on a lot of things, but in general, um, she's so great at digs, stunts, um, on mm. defense. Just what I would call a utility wing, you know, just an amazing prospect <laughs> on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, I was just really impressed with her body control, her hang time. That's something we've seen with a couple of mm. trends within, like, prospects we've talked about before. Um, we talked about what that would hold skull. We talked about that would catch. Um, just these elite-level athletes where we're talking about what we're seeing in more modern day prospects, it would have been so so much fun to see what she would do um, in a modern offense that's playing more up tempo. Because whenever she dig out in transition, she was um, pretty incredible there. Um, Honestly, just... I, 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 
along with Lincoln, I was really impressed by her lateral ability. The closing speed is insane. The her, her ability to step over lateral quickness, her her core and hip flexibility was ridiculous. I wasn't as impressed by her vertical athleticism. I didn't think she needed to on defense. It's not like she was ever guarding bigs. But I thought on offense, you know, the her double clutches on the on the mid rangers were good. But I thought the vertical athleticism limited her finishing ability. It was sort of a, it was sort of an issue with the last. Day. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. It's really weird to say about someone who averaged 20 points a game for her entire college career, but my number one question for her translating is if she can be an effective scorer at the professional level. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. She's definitely her number one scoring aspect is that pure athleticism and kind of getting to the rim. She's a really smart cutter, which helps create a few easy buckets. She is a terror in transition, which when you're terrifying in transition and also creating four transition opportunities a game by yourself, that's a great combination where you're just creating eight points a game for yourself. But the scoring in the half court's a a little bit concerning. Yes, she averaged 5.6 free throw attempts over her uh, upperclassman seasons. And, you know, that's a lot. And I think... You know, in watching her, it was a very sustainable how she was getting there. I have no doubt that's going to really continue. But uh, it's a pretty significant drop from can finish and draws fouls to can't finish and draws fouls. Yeah, 5% block rate or 5% steal rate, 4% block rate in her junior season. Just um, a pretty incredible combination when you consider that she's also scoring at the level she was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also impressed. I don't know if you guys mentioned this yet, but her offensive rebounding, she averaged 2.5 mm-hmm. per game in her junior season. Um, just when we're talking about a high-level athlete in general, she mm-hmm. kind of checked off almost every box there is. Um, and you kind of just bet on a player like that, especially in an era like this where um, shooting shooting wasn't as, as important as it probably is now to where you kind of see everything else and you kind of just think this this player is going to work. Um like, like Charles Barkley mentioned, um, there was a case, you know, he wanted, there was a case to have Elena Beers number one prospect in the class, but obviously you really, you can't take uh, Elena, you can't take a defense first player like this over one of the best shooting prospects we've ever seen down at Rossi, but um, an incredible prospect. And after the break, we'll get into our scouting grades on Beard and we'll later talk about how her WNBA career unfolded. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win on a regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash and get started. Bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Welcome back. I'm your host, Andrew Cruz, and thanks for joining us. Let's get to our scouting grades on Beard, solely based on the film we watched pre-WNBA, taking into account the current state of the league at the time, rather than an emphasis on current team-building philosophies and schematic uh, schematic things we've seen. Um, but first, for those unfamiliar, we use a baseball-like 2080 scouting scale. A 40 grade is your average WNBA contributor. 
um, someone that contributes on above replacement level basis or round of replacement level. 45 is a top end backup. 55 is your above average starter. 50 average starter. 60 is an all-star caliber player. 70 is an all WNBA caliber player. And then 80 is reserved for your MVP candidates. So basically consensus or biannually first team all WNBA players. Um, at the top M, what would you give um, Beard from what you saw? Right. So I thought that her defense was as good as it was going to be in the WNBA. My grade would have been higher, but I had questions about her defense. And not so much in terms of like, are the things I'm seeing what she's good at? Is she going to be great at them? I have no doubt that, you know, based on this film, she's probably going to be one of the best straight up wing defenders in league history just given the athleticism, but I have some concerns. They got more, more, more swayed over time in college, but she was a little bit, ooh, I'm gonna use a term that is gonna paint it differently than I want it to be, but she was a little bit lazy in terms of her footwork at the point of attack. She really relied on her foot speed and her wingspan to bail her out uh, against uh, better drivers. And you see that coming into, coming into being an issue sometimes. You see this against Casey Gales. You see this against Lindsey Whalen. It got significantly better over time. And so I'm not hugely concerned about that, but it does give me a little bit of pause, but more so it gives me pause in combination with the fact that she never really had to defend any sort of ball screens, really. That was part of the function of offenses at the time, and it was part of the function of, you know, she's guarding the uh, opponents, usually their best wing, not necessarily the best guard, which was a luxury of Duke's personnel, but it just is what it is. And so, you know, that doesn't affect the grade too much, but it gives me, you know, a little bit of pause to say, you know, this isn't like, I'm not as confident in her hitting that defensive ceiling. So when it comes to the offense, the fact that the, the three-point form is so bad and and she didn't really have a track record of free throw or three-point uh, success enough to make me think that that's going to be remotely projectable. The issues with, um, the issues with finishing, she's got a really good handle but it's not like she's going to kill everyone off the dribble every time. Her off-ball movement is, you know, again, you have to consider the offense that she's in. They don't really ask their guards to move too much or their bigs to move too much about the ball, but it still is a little bit concerning in comparison to other players we see in the early aughts who were in similar offenses, but at least found ways to move about the ball and create uh, that kind of gravity. So for those reasons, I am sort of less confident here because it feels like the offensive downside has a very strong chance to limit the offensive or the defensive upside. So for that reason, I have her as a, as a, um, as a soft 55, more, more along the lines of a roll five. I think she's almost certainly going to be a quality contributor um, and certainly a, a, you know, a quality starter rotation player on a playoff caliber team. Uh, but in terms of, you know, I think there is probably as much upside of all, of being an all-star as being a uh, just not starter. That's interesting because I think I think our defensive evals are a little bit similar, but I I just see a a more a slightly more defined role for her mm-hmm. as an offensive player with the cutting that I've seen. It's it's solid for the um, arrow especially. Um, I think that's a good point. Yeah, elite off-ball movement, from what I saw. Very, very solid mm-hmm. off-ball movement. The handle is great. The offensive rebounding creates chances. She's just kind of a possession generator 
just always creating more opportunities for her team, whether it's on the glass, whether it's jumping passing lanes. Uh, maybe there's a, a little bit of gambles, but her athleticism and length, the, the closing speed is so impressive to cover up any mistakes that she's made. Oh, yeah. But I don't think she ever made any mistakes. That's fair, yeah. And um, there's a couple of times where she ends up switched on to a three or a four, a big three or four, mm-hmm. and just goes straight up and blocks them, even in college. <laughs> and it's it's honestly, it's some of the most impressive defense I've ever seen. And to, to have someone who's an elite defender also um, have that kind of handle and um, that kind of scoring acumen, she does score in a variety of ways, even if some of them are not terribly efficient ways. Uh, I have her as a strong 60. It's I Watching her college tape, I would have predicted multiple all-defense picks for her and many all-star games and probably a few all-W game uh, picks, but not like a perennial all-W NBA pick. Not, I can't quite get there. That's where the, the offense is holding me back a little bit. But watching, it's just, it's so impressive to watch her play as a 20, 19-year-old to move the way she does and to defend the way she does. Yeah. I think you're right that I was probably uh, significantly underrating uh, and not properly noticing how good she is at college. You're, you're probably right on that, given how the W career goes. Yeah, I said solid 60. Um, I think I have her in line with Sue and, and Tina. I think same tier prospects for me. I can't get higher than 60 um, for Atlanta, given the offensive struggles. Um, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but her three-point form reminds me of Zion Williamson. Um, I'm not sure if it's just a Duke uniform thing, but there's definitely some comparison there. Um, I like Zion. He's slow, Nibalgus. Um, it just, yeah, just in general, the offensive struggles, you can't really get higher than 60 for me. But like Lincoln said, she just does all the small things on the court. Um, and you believe that there's a defensive ceiling there that she can hit that outcome um, and be a multi-time all-defensive player um, in the W. But, yeah, do you guys want to get into some comps on on no, Bjork? I'll, After- I'll talk. I'll take first. Uh, I'll take first because I know Lincoln always has the better ones. But honestly, the first thing that came to mind, it came to mind very quickly, especially with you know, pretty good passing. Um, what if Draymond Green was a wing? That was the first thing that came to mind. I think I think you sacrifice positional value if Draymond Green is a wing because wings can do less of these sorts of things than wings can. That was the first thing that came to mind. Um, I also have uh, Brittany Sykes with less health and passing ability. I think part of this is colored by the fact by how good Brittany Sykes has been over the past couple of years. She's really taken a big leap in her career. Um, I mean, she's basically a, a soft seven right now. Um, and then uh, a little more obscure, if well, what if Alex Bentley had a 6'4 wingspan and liked contact? I think that would have been a good player. What about you, Lincoln? Yeah, um, I also had a version of Brittany Sykes on mine it just that um the same kind of defensive terror just enough on offense uh that she's she's been better than that this summer as a mystic but that kind of version is something that i kind of saw my other one is 
kind of like what Draymond Green is as a, a guard slash wing. It's a, it's Drew Holiday. Um, uh, the the offensive concerns are there. The um, Drew Holiday is more point of attack defender, but the um, he's also a really impressive help defender. Uh, coming both in the slot and um, making rotations from the back line. And the last is just a tornado. She is kind of like a tornado. <laughs> You've gotten really into these, like, these these uh, non-carbon-based life-form comps the past few weeks, haven't you? They work. That's they do work. work. All right, so after the break, we'll get into Beard's WNBA career and how that unfolded. And we're back. So in Elena Beard's 14-year WNBA career, she averaged 11.3 points, 3.4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 1.7 steals per game. Um, Four-time All-Star. I'll give it to you first, M. Uh, how would you kind of sum up Elena Beard's WNBA career, and how does that contrast to what you saw in the pre – or how does that compare in contrast to what you saw in college? Hall of Famer, like just just straight up Hall of Famer. It, it would be really weird if she didn't get into the Hall of Fame, even by the fact that Naismith Hall of Fame currently uses clearly different standards for men's and women's Hall of Fame. Consider the fact that Jack Sigma was inducted multiple uh, multiple years before Yolanda Griffith finally got inducted. Anyway, that being said, oh, this is the first week in which we're doing um, someone you're asking me about a player's W career where I have not been uh, like fully 100% prepared uh, just because it's a little bit hard to find Mystic's tape of Elena Beard and also there's just a lot. Sometimes sometimes I don't quite get as ahead as when I watched every year of Catch's career or I haven't watched half of DT's career already like did last week. I, but I mean that being said no, she makes an all defense team uh, her first three is in the league four of her first five. She wins a defensive player of the year. Uh, she, sorry, she wins back-to-back -back defensive players of the year in her uh, age 35 and 36 seasons, which is pretty good, I, I think. Um, you know, her, her career to start off, it's, it is interesting, sort of the ways that it evolves. She gets a lot better as a scorer. She gets a lot more consistent. Um, and she really is the star of, you know, Mystics teams after she holds car leaves. The, the Mystics are... The Mystics were a raging dumpster fire before Mike Tebow got there. You know, you have so many good players come in, play for four years, and then go somewhere else and win a title. Elena Beard is no exception. She was, uh, you know, I don't know if she was already planning on leaving Washington after her sixth year in the league. Uh, back then, that was the year that most players were basically able to basically hit free agency and go somewhere else. But she suffers an injury in uh, at the end of 2009 or in early 2010, so that year, also ends up with another injury uh, towards the end of that rehab that keeps her up for 2011. But she misses her age, her age 28 and 29 seasons. She comes back and plays for the Sparks. And what you see is that's also the year that NECA is a rookie for the Sparks. So they add they add NECA and they add Elena Beard at the exact same time. This is also like a year or two after Christy Tolliver breaks out. Candace is getting a little more help. Not that she ever wasn't healthy, but Candace had a tendency to miss about like a quarter of the season every time. Who we'll get into next week and or in two weeks. And 
You know, you just have this team that suddenly gets a lot better, and Elena Beard's a huge part of it. But you also see that she her usage rate partially because of the the injuries. She's having the same two in two years. She's coming back to basketball, but she never really has the same level of usage and scoring volume that she had in Washington. Her efficiency stays about the same. Everything else stays kind of about the same, which is her efficiency was middling, so it's both impressive and just interesting, I guess. Um, but either way, again, you have someone who's going from basically the, the top dog in Washington to being, you know, within a couple of years in Los Angeles, you know, arguably your um, your fifth most important player uh, on offense in the starting lineup. It really opens her up just to, you know, just hold, uh, just hold a health defender and just to create these secondary, tertiary, pick and roll opportunities. She cuts a lot less, that's just because of the function of the offense. But to say that it, uh, what's successful for her would be an understatement. Again, two defensive players of the year in her mid-30s, while also being surrounded by, you know, some of the best talent you'll ever see in the league. Those teams are fun. She's a huge part of it. And she's one of, you know, what should end up being an entire starting lineup that goes into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, would you say the shooting part? Because early in her career, she was a decent shooter. Like, she was slightly below league average, but she was taking, like, three-fourths per game. Is that because of the injuries? Because she really fell off a cliff as a shooter, and she just didn't take them anymore. Like, I'm, that's kind of like the main thing when you look at her stat profile. I think it's an interesting point. You know, the the three point volume because it's higher in Washington. You know, it's still not huge, not as much as two points in the free throws, obviously. But I mean, even when she comes back from the injuries, her first year with the Sparks, the volume is still a still a pretty decent amount of her overall. Yeah, she shot 40% on 2.63s. Yeah. Yeah, and then they move the line back and she never took a free and she never she essentially never took a, a three pointer per game again. So effectively long she was she was good enough at long twos when they could count the three points. Mm-hmm. She did get yeah. yeah. But yeah she got better at them when she got to the league, surprisingly. And that really helped buoy her as a as a multi time also there. And a one time all WNBA player. Yeah, the In thing with, that stands out yeah. is that the, the event creation defensively never went away. Um, like, she had one season in her career below a 2.5% steal rate and one season in her – or two seasons in her career that she was below a 1% block rate, which are really solid numbers for a, someone who's uh, a two-guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the, the event creation is something that is always there for her. And – something that is extremely valuable. Yeah, I would say, if anything, she is probably the greatest perimeter defender in league history. And also, her event creation, her defensive playmaking was honestly, like, I was like, it's a little disappointing. Her, her, her skill rate and block rate, 2% and 1% effectively are both really good. But you, I, I think you would have expected a little bit higher. I think part of that's just because of the lineup she had to play in. Washington lineups in those days were, you know, fun if you're a fan of, like, mediocre teams with, like, vaguely interesting players who aren't that good. I think a, I think a big part of it was that. Um, but I think overall, you know, you, you, you said, what, a 5% steal rate, 4% block rating uh, at Duke her upperclassman years. I think it is interesting that she was still so good at defense in the WNBA, but it didn't manifest itself as much in, in uh, as many steals blocks. Again, still really good numbers, just not like when you look at the leaderboard, it's not as high as you expect. 
And what says a lot about her defense in her pro career was usually with awards like Defensive Player of the Year, they lean towards like all stars, players mm-hmm. that were like superstar caliber players. She mm-hmm. she won Defensive Player of the Year, averaging like five points per game, and she won back to back awards, um, which says a lot about just how good and how important she was on the defensive end to those teams. Just based on if you look at like a list of the defensive player of the year winners you just see okay every year it's like 15 points per game or higher on almost every player than is just Selena Beard which just just says how good of a defensive player she was and why it didn't really matter their offensive limitations for that team how much offensive firepower they had being able to just kind of surround her um, with a lot of pieces to be successful but thanks for making that much basketball your first listen every day. Join the team at the next back next week for continued coverage of the WNBA and women's basketball as a whole. To recap, our consensus scouting grade on Beard was a 60. Next week, you can join us back on Saturday for a historical scouting report on Simone Augustus out of LSU. Have a great weekend, everyone.